Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, December the 10th, 2020, and we are reading from the Big Book, continuing our study of There is a Solution on page 21. The last sentence, he is the fellow, reading through to the end of the paragraph, hospitals and sanitariums, and commenting on those seven lines. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Ksenia V, Twelve Traditions, Adriana T, and readers of the text, Carmela G, Denise B, and Vicki V. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, December the 9th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 15953, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 15954. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ksenia V to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Ksenia. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Ksenia V, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Jersey. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it.
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for the opportunity to be of service. Everyone have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Ksenia. And Adriana T. is going to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Adriana. Good morning. Thanks for your service. This is Adriana T. from Michigan, um, recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirements for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Adriana T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the chapter, There is a Solution. We're on page 21, the last sentence, He is the Fellow. We're reading through to the end of that paragraph, ending with hospitals and sanatoriums. 
and we will be commenting on those seven senses. So Carmela G., would you read for us, please? Thank you so much, Lynn. This is Carmela G., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. Well, this is the story of a true addict. My entire six decades, first six six decades of life spent denying that I was a true addict. And as the years progressed, the food took more and more of a hold of me, just like this is with the real addict. Instead of liquor, it was food. Fortunately for me, I had enough money, so I made sure I buy double of everything. The children could have their cookies, and I had to have my stash. And that was the way I lived my life, always making sure I had enough. I could never be without my substance. It was a reassuring fact that there was enough of food and stash in those cabinets and that refrigerator to hold me through any storm. And every day could be a storm. The reality was I didn't realize that as this would go by, it was taking a stronger and stronger hold on me, just like it describes right here needing high-powered sedatives to quiet the nerves. Well, I didn't use any sedatives, but I used more and more food. The volume increased, and the frequency increased. And I had to get to a point where I was bringing it to work with me, and I was sharing it with my staff, so they thought I was wonderful. Oh, look what she brought today. But that was to ensure that I was going to have my fix. Today, after working the steps and living in the sunlight of the Spirit and living those steps every single day, my sedative is my connection with my higher power. The food no longer owns me, and I am free. And that is a gift that this program gives if we're willing to work it. We work it, we share it. 
And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you for getting us started, Carmela G. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me to hear everybody. Who would like to share? Victoria W. Reva P. Larry K. Jen A. Adriana P. Let me tell you who I did hear. Victoria W. Reva P. Larry K. Jen A. And Adriana T. Anybody else want in the first round? Okay, let's go with that lineup. So it's Victoria W. followed by Reva P. Good morning, Victoria. Please press star one to unmute, Victoria. How about that? Perfect, thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, this is Victoria W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Houston, Texas. Um, I'm like shaking a little bit now because I share um, a lot of times at the end of this hour, the very end, or during the second unrecorded hour, and I, whoo, I'm getting really nervous. I didn't want to be first, but you know what? I needed to share on this paragraph um, because I, I just was so struck by this used to be my life every single day. Um, I took a really difficult class in college that I struggled with, and I this is way before I knew I had a problem with food. Um, it was way before I was diagnosed with diabetes, but I would wake up in college with candy wrappers in my bed after trying to study and trying to stay awake, and I would reward myself by reading a paragraph or doing a practice problem with a piece, a piece of candy. Um, and that's crazy. Um, but I just thought that this is what I have to do to get an A in this class. And I, this is my motivation. Um, but then it turned into, you know, as, as with a lot of people here, it progressed and progressed. It moved to, you know, waking up and eating ice cream for breakfast if it had something that seemed like a possible breakfast ingredient, like oatmeal raisin or bananas, because that's breakfast, right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. But the things I used to rationalize to myself I see now that it was necessary for me to get through life. I was depending on food to function. Um, and this became more and more obvious to me. Um, I, like I said, I'm diabetic and I fell into a cycle of overdosing my insulin because I would binge, I would get so anxious and I would need to give myself the insulin, not because it was medically required, but because I was so anxious of watching the blood sugar numbers climb and climb and climb and what was going to happen and oh god I've done it now and what am I going to do and what's going to happen to me and the people at my hospital are going to think I'm stupid when I show up in the ER this time because I work there and I should know better. Um, I was abusing this tool to quiet my nerves in a different way 
but then I would give myself so much that in two or three hours I'd know I have to eat more or I could have a seizure. I mean, that's insanity. It's insane for anybody, but especially for a healthcare professional. I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. And, and I don't... I don't even know what the um, what the good point of this is, except I don't live my life like that anymore, and I'm almost in tears right now. And I just hope that whoever needed to hear this knows that whatever you're dealing with, it, you there is a solution. It's in this program, and you you can recover with these steps. So, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria W. And Reva P. It's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Wow, this paragraph for me too is a huge remember when. Um, And it reminds me how I couldn't and I can't live with the food and I can't live without it. And it reminds me about what the food and my binge ingredients behaviors um, did to me. But it also reminds me what it does for me. Um, And the things that struck me in the paragraph are the word concealed and all the hiding. And, you know, sometimes I was hiding it from myself. Like I had my own apartment when I was in the height of the disease. And it's it's hilarious when I think about it now. I'm hiding it from myself and playing games. I'm going to put it here so I won't take it. Then I'll put it there and I won't take it. But, of course, I knew where it was, so I took it. Like all the mental gymnastics... um, Yeah, and the hiding. My binging was always in hiding. It was never in public. You know, I'd get through the day white-knuckled, open the door to my apartment and get my fix. Um, And what struck me the most is quieting my nerves and I just can't make it. I just can't make it abstinent only. I just can't do white-knuckled dieting um, because I'm like a time bomb. I'm just waiting to explode. I can't take it. And I, what do I do? I binge all over again. So this whole business of, you know, what happens when I'm abstinent only and the ability to quiet my nerves, I can't do that myself. Um, You know, my sick mind can't heal my sick mind. So I am so grateful that, you know, in abstinence, we have a way by working the steps and following the path to quiet my nerves so I don't have to be restless, irritable, discontent, because that's what the food did for me. I had the effect, right? The effect of ease and comfort. Um, So thank you, God. If I continue to do the work, I can get peace, peace of soul, peace of body, being comfortable in my skin um, by this power that I don't know exactly what it is, but what it does for me by just doing the work. Um, so you to remember when and gratitude. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Jen A. Please go ahead, Larry. Hi, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, Larry K. recovered uh, from Chicago. It says he is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. And I, I remember, you know, I remember what that was like. Um, and I would, um, yeah, I remember, I remember teaching. And, um, you know, uh, I, in order to get in front of people, <clears throat> I would have to, uh, I would have to binge eat. 
I didn't realize what I was doing, but that was a daily practice for me. And then when I got done, um, I certainly had to binge as well. I, I remember what it was like being owned by the food, you know, and there is an, an immutable fact about denial because I was in denial and it, it, it doesn't work long term, right? The reality always wins out. And when it does, the next step in the process is to blame. And that's what I would do. And I would find people to blame, circumstances uh, to blame, and so forth. And it was, um, it was Groundhog Day every day. And, you know, when I'm enslaved by the food, I, I need to somehow steer a course, you know, between denial on the one hand and passivity on the other. Or, or at least, you know, figure out how to make sure that a sense of helplessness doesn't, you know, spill into other parts of my life. And that starts with the commitment to, to alert awareness. I have to have alert awareness. The steps are going to begin that process to make me conscious of, of, of having that alert awareness of my circumstances so that I can accurately understand, you know, where things stand and, and I can be, you know, reasonably expected to, 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 you know, not be distorted by denial and despair. And, you know, for me, spiritual freedom is about empowering us, you know, fulfilling our need for autonomy, but, but getting out of the driver's seat. I needed to get out of the, the driver's seat. And when God is in charge of my life, I no longer am trying to push that boulder up the hill. You know, I'm no longer, I'm, I'm, in other words, I'm no longer confusing autonomy with either selfishness or self-deception. And that's what the steps do. And so, you know, the word accept has two very different meanings. It can refer either to acknowledging that something, something is true or endorsing it as desirable. See, I accept that I'm a compulsive overeater, but my actions today, by the grace of God, make it abundantly clear that I will not endorse it to take one more second of my life. I accept the unpleasant reality of being a compulsive overeater, but it will not take one more second of my life. I will immerse myself in these steps so it does, I do not have to be the person that was just described that we read about in this paragraph. I have to put the food down first and I have to trust in the process. God does the heavy lifting from there. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Larry Kay. Jen A, it's your turn, followed by Adriana T. Good morning, Jen. Good morning to you, Lynn. Thanks so much. This is Jen A, Recovered Compulsive Overeater um, in Colorado. And um, I love when we get to this paragraph um, because this paragraph really, really reads um, to me. When uh, he talks about the matters that grow worse, right? Um, my disease is progressive. It only got worse over time, never better. I began to use a combination of these things. Doctors, blood work, medical treatments, excessive exercise, pills, potions, purging, needles, right? That was me. That was me. I use it in combination with the food. See, this is where this paragraph rings true for me because food wasn't my only problem, right? I found ways to manage the food through pills, potions, exercise, and purging and vomiting. That's what I did. So for me, the progressiveness got worse. That's how I was going to stay thin, 
That's how I was going to combat this disease. Kind of scary, isn't it? And so when I read this, I'm reminded that my next, my next trip is to the hospital or sanitarium. And I'll never forget that. I had, just, um, I had been going to counseling and doing a lot of therapy. I was uh, reading a book with my therapist called Intuitive Eating. And she was going to teach me how to eat right. Right? She was going to give me the tools in my toolbox that were going to help me be successful so that I didn't have to go around and around and around in these cycles anymore. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that that didn't work, but I'm happy to say that it didn't work. Um, because my next, my next stop that I spoke to her about was putting myself into an inpatient, outpatient treatment for e- eating disorders. I'm so glad that God didn't take me that direction. In fact, I filled out all the paperwork. I was ready to go to Boulder, Colorado. I was ready to admit myself every single day. I had, I had um, time in the bank at work where I could get paid to take that off. She was, she was willing to write me that letter. And then one day I came in and I shared with her something that I heard at an Overeaters Anonymous meeting that a woman at the time was sponsoring me who said, she said, wow, what they're saying really rings true to who you are. Perhaps you should listen. I never went back to that psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever she was, therapy counselor, whatever. I never went to that treatment center. I kept coming back to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous where you people told me you did what I did with food. Right, And that if I'm beaten badly enough and I begin to lose all control as we heard about on pages 20 and 21, then perhaps I'll be ready to listen to the solution and what's on these pages. But I had to put all those things down entirely. Yeah, entirely. I had to give up the needles, which HGG. I had to give up the diet plans, the, the medical stuff, the blood testing, the pills that I was taking, the laxatives, everything. Time, please. God, God held my hand, and that's why I'm here today, recovered by the grace of God in these 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank Can you, you Jenny. What, what page we're on? Adriana, please. Sure. We're on page 21. The last sentence, he is the fellow. Adriana T., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks again for your service. This is Adriana T. Recovering in Michigan. And um, before this program, I would have read this and thought this is nothing like me. Um, I can't relate to any of this. Um, But thanks be to God for you fellows who always pointed me in the direction of seeing where I can identify in with um, either Bill's story or Dr. Bob's story or any of the texts. And um, I can definitely identify when I have entire abstinence and can see clearly. And um, I could definitely relate to staying up all hours of the night um, when my kid and my husband were asleep and eating around the clock um, and then wanting to sleep in while my husband wakes up early with my child. And then uh, before I even, when I do finally awaken, um, looking for the candy that's in my nightstand just to be able to try to function. And then sanity was that, you know, that didn't make my body function any better. And then, you know, after my husband's been out for hours with my son, um, whining to him to go get me whatever binge food I wanted and, 
you know, just really living like the world revolved around me and my food. Um, I can relate to that part of this reading. I didn't get to the point in my disease where I ended up at hospitals and sanitariums, but that was because it was not yet. Um, I'm sure I wasn't far off from that. Um, but I definitely can identify where it talks about um, a sedative. Um, I didn't take um, a pill form of sedative, but as someone else stated, I um, used food as a sedative and also used food as um, like an upper. Like I used food the way an addict would use pills or other, um, other forms of substances. Um, and I can see that now. Um, that's the beautiful thing of working the steps and getting entirely abstinent is, abstinent is being able to see things clearer now and um, see myself in um, an honest way and to recognize that there is a solution and I don't have to continue living that way because the reason I was using food in this way was because I didn't know how to cope with, cope with life. Um, I came from an alcoholic home um, of course, that's not why I qualify for this program, but all of those, um, you know, unmet needs or emotions and traumas that I experienced, I didn't know how to process those things. Um, I think the times that I spent a lot of please. time. Oh, thank you. I'll wrap up then. Um, thanks for letting me share. Thanks. Thank you, Adriana T. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And if you just came on the meeting, we are continuing our study of There is a Solution on page 21. The last sentence, he is the fellow. And we're reading through to the end of the paragraph, ending in hospitals and sanatoriums and commenting on all. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Sarah R. York. Maureen. Sharon K. Okay, let me just tell you who I did hear. Okay. I heard, I believe, Laureen and Karen Kay. Who did I miss? Chris M. Sarah R. from New York. Okay, I've got room for two more. Sherry A. Sarah okay, let me R. tell you... Let me tell you who I do have. I had Lauren, I believe, Karen K, Chris M, Cheryl R, and Sherry A. Did I miss anybody? Okay. Sarah R from New York? Yes, Cheryl, I have you. Thank you. No, Sarah. Sarah, you have Cheryl. I'm Sarah. I beg your pardon. Thanks for helping me there. Okay. Is there a Lauren or a Laureen, or did I totally mess that up? 
Did you get Laureen? Laureen, yes, that's who I'm calling on now. Thank you. Can I have the initial of your last name, please? It's D, as in Delta. Okay, that's great. So, Laureen D, followed by Karen K. Please go ahead, Laureen. Good morning. This is Laureen from Washington State. Um, Boy, I really relate to this uh, paragraph. I... um, I had a stash of my favorite binge foods all over the house. But it wasn't because I feared people would throw it away. I just didn't want it. I didn't want to share and I wanted to eat in secret. All my binging and compulsive eating was done in hiding. I didn't want people to see me do it. And um my last binge episode really stands out. Um, I had gone down to California for a weekend at my family's, and my my mother was really upset that weekend. I was staying with her. Well, and I was I was just led to my binge food, and I had bought a bunch of it and was just in my purse just so I could sneak it out of my purse continually. I was just really ramped up. And um, I flew home. And when I got to the airport, I went to Costco. And I purchased like a family size picnic size bag of chips. And so it was like I had one hand in my purse with chocolates and the other in this bag. And interestingly enough, I was listening to a podcast. And Um, I had been in the OA rooms for years off and on without any recovery. But I was listening to this podcast and the fellow mentioned having anxiety and I'm stuffing my face and I thought, hmm, maybe I have anxiety. And I realized all these years when I would get agitated from being around my mother I always, you know, would tell people, oh, you can, I can feel, I can feel the the vibes coming off of her. I feel it coming off of her. But I never realized that my feelings were my feelings. And so just hearing that podcast where he was talking about anxiety, I realized that those were my feelings. And I was so stunned that I could have feelings of anxiety. And it was almost immediately after that I was able to attend the second hour of the vision meetings and announced myself and got a a wonderful flurry of welcoming texts and phone calls and got a sponsor that week. And and this this program of vision and having a sponsor has been my hospital and sanitarium. It's just been a, it, it's been a real godsend for me to be in this program and of recovery, and I'm just so grateful for it. So thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lorene D. Karen K., it's your turn, followed by Chris M. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. This is Karen Kay, Recovered Compulsive Eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer. That reading reminds me of the insanity of this disease. Um, 
I like to look at it as uh, Bill's knee-deep in the food. You know, um, I don't have to do that today. I've been blessed with the vision for you and using the big book and having a whole new light shine on it. Um, I bought a brand new big book so I can look at it the way my God wants me to look at it. It's, It's wonderful to hear other people's point of view because that's how we share our experience, strength, and hope. But God has just shown me that, you know, Karen, I want you to see something. And, and I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. And I will be going on a one-day retreat to do that. I am just so grateful that food is not my solution. I need to deal with Karen today. God deals with Karen today. And everybody that I work with uh, regarding the steps or just an outreach call you know, those are my those are my solutions. You know, just because I've done the 12 steps doesn't mean I have arrived. I mean, I need to be committed to do 4 through 12 every day. That's my solution. I am so grateful. I don't even, I used to drink the way Bill drank, okay? Uh, ate the way Bill drank. Um, acted the way Bill did. You know, I think I probably said like five eyes right now. But when I mean I, just for the record, I mean God. It's just a a filler word that I use. And I'm just so grateful that I do not have to hide. Everything I do is open. And I'm the person that God intends me to be. And he doesn't want the addicted Karen to go off on whatever I'm addicted to because I would like to call myself poly addicted. You know, it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. And I'm in a solution today. And you guys helped to uh, bring me there. Take care and God bless, and I love you all. Bye-bye. Thank you, Karen Kay. Chris M., it's your turn, followed by Sarah R. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Chris M., a compulsive overeater from Ontario, Canada. The line that really stuck out for me was, um, as matters grew, grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedatives and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Um, At the height of my disease, um, I just remember being so consumed by the food and um, becoming so ill from eating, you know, so much sugar, so much fat, all the bad stuff. And, you know, I couldn't sleep. So it got to the point where I couldn't sleep and I would borrow my husband's uh, prescribed medications borrow obviously I couldn't give it back um, in order to sleep and then even even after you know using these sun nights I'd wake up in the middle of the night in just agony um, from my stomach being so sore Um, and when I did start it did start to affect work and my attendance and I just felt like I was so insane I was like okay I need to go get some psychiatric help so even after doing all of that you know being professionals, you know, I was able to, you know, white knuckle it and thought I had everything together, thought, okay, everything's good, um, and then went to uh, hospitals, you know, started doing the whole mind, body, spirit thing, the whole package, and I thought, oh, I finally did it, like, I'm finally okay, but then I wasn't. And I realized I wasn't. And that's what brought me to these rooms back in February. And I'm so grateful for that because for all the years that I was stuck in the food, 
trying to convince myself, you know, that I was okay. And the first time I read this paragraph, actually, would have been back in February or March. And I didn't identify with it right away. My sister, who who suffers from alcoholism, she recovered, thankfully, I would totally see her, but I couldn't see myself. Thankfully, I was able to see myself, you know, get with the program, find a sponsor, start working the steps. And, you know, 20 plus years, 25, 30 years of compulsive overeating and trying everything under the sun. And, you know, this is finally the solution. And when I was able to connect with my higher power um, and uncover all of those things about myself, um, all the defects, you know, still working that every day, just unbelievable to me that this program can do that kind of change my higher power can guide me every day it's still you know fairly new to me but it's just unbelievable and reading this just brings me back to that brings me back to that absolute despair that I never ever want to be again and I'm just so thankful that uh, you know I'm I'm with you all and able to read this book and study and and um, keep working the program and keep connected with my higher power. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Chris M. Sarah R., it's your turn, followed by Sherry A. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you, moderator, and of course, all of you people, because because of all of you, I get to live a life worth living. Um, I specifically want to speak to the words around the clock. You know, it's between me, I, I've always been extreme on either end. So, you know, the days that I was extreme and not eating or maybe having three or 400 calories a day and possibly working out, six hours a day, like extreme military boot camp, Zumba classes, all of those. And my body would be physically hungry that, you know, the phenomenon of sleepwalking or sleep talking. When I read, when, when I was reading these words around the clock, my body needed food so badly that so many times I would wake up in the middle of the night downstairs in my kitchen, just like eating cake. I had no idea how I got there. I And it happened again and again and again. And you know what? Looking back now, it was during those extreme periods that I wasn't eating. And, you know, my body desperately needed this. And, you know, bring it to the other extreme when I was in those moments of complete stuffing my face and getting sick, my body would just get exhausted. Like after lunch... My, my my body would be so tired. I literally felt like I had to fall asleep. And after a while, no amount of coffee can wake me up. And, you know, then especially going, I don't know if any of you remember when you started Vision for You, especially after being a massive binger, in my experience, what I, or it's like an alcoholic who, who stops drinking like cold turkey because I've been so extreme on and off and on and off. I basically spent my entire life just like being in the withdrawal phase because my body physically 
felt like when I removed the sugar, when I removed the binge foods, my body couldn't function. But then I would add in the, the binge foods like in extreme amounts. You know, people always said, get the surgery. It wouldn't help for me because if I was full, I would still eat and eat and eat and get sick and still eat because my body craved other things. So this around the clock, but even today, even in recovery, right, I every morning I wake up and I work and I work my recovery, but then just some days I'm just like, okay, well, abstinent eating is just, you know, not eating trigger foods and eating on my food plan, but some days I'm just like, I don't want to eat, you know, or I just don't, you know, I conveniently fall asleep before I ate like the last few snacks that I was supposed to eat. And that's why we have this program because this whole, this round the clock, but if I'm not working my program round the clock every single minute, then my addiction and the food will be working around the clock. And you know what? The days even in Time program, food. even now, Yes, thank you so much. Even now in recovery, when I don't eat everything I don't, I'm supposed to, I, I feel it. And then around the clock, my body gets weaker. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for all of you. And with that, I pass. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Sarah R. Sherry A., it's your turn. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, everybody. Hi, this is Sherry A., compulsive overeater um, near Chicago. And I just really wanted to share, I really identified um, with the high-powered sedative, like many others uh, had said, because um, as my disease progressed through my life, it took more and more and more and more food to calm my nerves. And um, I often lived with friends, and um, they would watch me disappear into my room Um, and not come out for hours at a time. And then I would wake up with food hangovers and have to um, try and wake myself up and get myself to the point where I could go to work. Um, And so that really really just stuck out uh, for me today. Um, And I'm just really glad to be here and glad to have the food down um, now for about 25 days and just to be reading through this um, and seeing myself. So thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sherry A. We have time for two or three more shares. Who would like that time? Katie T. Uh-oh. Grace K. G. Okay, I Kelly heard G. Katie D. And who else is there? Kelly please? G. Grace K. Kelly G and Grace K. Okay, let's see how we do. I heard, I believe, Katie G, Kelly G, and Grace K. Katie, would you like to go ahead for us, please? Maybe it wasn't Katie. Maybe it was Kelly. Kelly, would you like to go ahead? Kelly G, press star one, please. Hello, can you hear me? Hello. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Hi, Kelly G, compulsive overeater in Florida. Um, You know, I want to share, I'm I'm in a lot of pain. I had eight years of recovery, and I broke my abstinence yesterday. And, um, oh, sorry, not yesterday, December 8th, Tuesday. And it, it was, 
it was horrible. And the obsession of the mind kicked in. And I know, I know the relapse starts before the food, the food's the last thing to go, but the amount of food it took for me to sedate from 10 in the morning till 11 at night. After those eight years, I wanted to cram in every single thing I possibly wish I could have eaten in those eight years. And my body was in agony and I didn't care. I just wanted to make more and more room for the food. I started with Italian food, Chinese food, desserts, candy, snack. I mean, it was so scary. And my, my poor boyfriend, who's never seen me like that, we met in recovery. He looked at me like I was a stranger. And I'm not, I'm not bulimic with my food, but I was literally standing over the toilet. Like, I didn't know how to get this food up or out, but I wanted to make room for more. And it was the scariest thing. And yesterday was hard as hell. Yesterday, the the craving, the obsession, the, even though I was sick to my stomach, couldn't move, couldn't lay down, couldn't sit up in a coma, couldn't even get the remote off the couch. I woke up the next morning after just a night's sleep and feeling like, okay, that was horrible, but I'm digested and I can actually sit up. And I wanted everything that I ate the day before as if nothing. And I needed to stay as close, as close to God, to my fellows as possible. And today's day two, um, and it's hard and it's humbling. It's humbling to realize that, you know what, I am, I am, I am so sick and I have this disease and I, and I knew what I would, I chose to pick up because I knew I didn't just want one of what I picked up. I wanted everything. I wanted the effect. I wanted oblivion. So anyway, thank you all for listening and being there. And um, we need each other. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly G. Was there a Katie who wanted to share? Yes. um, Katie T, as in Tom, in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, Good morning, Katie. Please go ahead. the piece about if he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him. <clears throat> that calls up several times when I had uh, hidden food um, on the spur of the moment from someone who was coming to the house. My husband was coming back, something like that. And in their searching for something else, they found my stash or the thing that I'd been eating and, and what shame that brought up in me. And I'm using that as a lead-in to talk about shame because this morning, the first thing that I felt when I realized I had failed in my uh, commitment to this meeting to be the backup reader uh, that I had spaced it off, um, I had no good reason for it. I just simply didn't uh, pay enough attention last night to writing a note to remind myself. And... um, I forgive myself pretty easily usually, but when it's a commitment to uh, service that I fail and I feel I've failed uh, my people, um, I need to deal with it right away. And so I'm, I'm really calling in to make an amends to, this, to all the people on the line, to the moderator, to the people who began this meeting, and, and to myself to say um, I apologize for having 
uh, not follow through on my commitment. And um, I'm going to walk out into my day still a recovered woman. Um, and because I've done the best I can to repair it, I will walk through it without shame. So I thank you all for hearing my amends. And uh, I pass. Thank you, Katie T. And Grace R., you'll be our last share this morning. Good morning, Grace. So I think it's Grace K. Uh, okay, let's go with yeah. Grace K. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm Grace K. Um, I'm a compulsive eater from outside of Philadelphia. Um, thank you, moderator, for your service. And <clears throat> excuse me, for everyone on this line, I feel a little bit nervous to share. Um, this is, I think, my uh, second time sharing on this um, this hour. And um, I really related to uh, the part, as matters grow worse, uh, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. And I just, um, I'm in the middle of my step four right now, and I really am appreciating the role that food was, uh, to, the, the role food um, took in my life to to calm my nerves and um, so that I could go to work and be um, and look a certain way in public and have people see me a certain way. Um, that is my disease. I would use food to calm those nerves, but then I got I got to a point where I would get so sick using the food. Um, so then I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because with food, I'm not good. And without food, I'm so stressed I can't and anxious. That's, I, I can't do my job. And so then what? And so that's when, and we can do geographic. We can move from one workplace to another, to another, to another. And it gets to a point where it's like, what's the common denominator here? Obviously, I can point my finger at all these other people, but there's something that is happening here. And my denial mind wants to pretend nothing is happening here. Um, so, and I can, I'm just appreciating this disease and the mental, uh, the, the, this cunning, baffling disease where it just makes everything look good. And like everything's fine, but it's not. Um, and so once I, I recently hit that, that point of having to leave my job just because I can't manage. And so I reached out and I'm grateful for Vision. I'm grateful for all of you. I've been listening every day uh, for a month and I'm grateful to be working with a sponsor. And, um, and even though I'm nervous to share, I still uh, I'm, I'm trying to share because I, I realize the, the support that that, that does um, for me and just hearing others on the line too. So I'm very grateful today to be, to be here and thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Grace Kay. Thank you to everyone who shared and thank you to Team Thursday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for this morning's meeting, Thursday, December 10th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is one five nine six three. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page one hundred and sixty four, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Denise B please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
press star one to unmute Denise. Katie T is available. Okay, Vic. Okay, Katie, do you want to go ahead then, please? Yes. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.